welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Excellent. You would have got the text. You would have seen on Facebook that I'm starting a new series and it's something that I've been called, entitled Forgotten God. Everyone say, Forgotten God. And this series is really a series about rediscovering the Holy Spirit. And it's really just an introduction to all the things we want to say over the next few weeks. And the reason I feel to share this message is because I believe in many churches today that the Holy Spirit has been totally neglected and in many parts absolutely forgotten. For some of you, this is going to be a new teaching, like I have never heard this. You may be a new Christian and it may be totally new to you. But then there's going to be many in this room that you would have heard some of the things that I'm about to share, but we've forgotten it. We've forgotten the significance, we've forgotten the weight, we've forgotten the importance. And I trust and pray that this would be a reminder to us that we wouldn't just be aware of His existence, the Holy Spirit's existence, but that we would know Him experientially. That it wouldn't just be a theory, that it wouldn't just be theology, that it wouldn't just be a doctrine, that it wouldn't just be a nice little thought that we have, but that it be our reality. I believe... That because of this understanding of who the Holy Spirit is, we have watered down God's Word to cover some of the idealistic things that are in His Word that you can't possibly live out. And so we watered down the Word of God. And so as a result, we live compromised lives. But I believe... That the Word of God is exactly that. It's a Word of God. Every word in God's Word was inspired by men through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when the Bible says not to do something, He means it. It's not for us to water down God's Word and try to defend God by saying what He really meant was this, because that's too hard to live out. And I believe as a result of this type of thinking, we've become consumers and not contributors. In other words, we come to church and we say, gee, the worship was great today. And so we're happy. Or we say, I didn't get much out of the worship today. But here's my point. Since when was worship ever about you? Worship is something we give to God. It's not something we receive from. Worship is for Him and Him alone. The Bible says He's a jealous God. He will not share His glory with another. And unfortunately, we've watered down our experience in churches to the lowest common denominator. And we feed and we fester. And let's be honest, in many churches today, you can do church and not even have God in it. You get a good bunch of musicians, a great communicator. You get some good children's ministry and all of a sudden you don't need God. And that's the challenge for us. As it is for every church. 
But I don't want to let you off the hook because it's easy to talk about the church because the church is kind of like the church. But what about you? I do not believe marriage was intended to be done alone. But we do it alone. We raise our kids alone. And this is really about a rediscovering and a returning back to the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. I want you just to imagine for a moment, this is not my illustration, it's something I read recently. But imagine you were stranded on a desert island and you had no other believers to worship and to fellowship with and all you had was the Bible to read. And you diligently and faithfully read that Bible for 20 years. And then after 20 years, you got miraculously rescued. And in your love for God and love for God's Word, you thought the first thing you want to do is get together with God's people and fellowship in a local church, something that you've been deprived of for 20 years. Can you imagine what you would have conjured up about what the church would look like and should look like based upon only reading God's Word, not being indoctrinated by things and cultures? Imagine that. And then you walk into church for the very first time. I think you would be shocked. I can't imagine anyone who was stranded on an island for 20 years and only had the Word of God to read and then walked into a church today and said, yeah, that's what I imagined it to be. See, I believe what's missing in the church today is not something, but someone. You know, when things aren't going well, be it in church life, and again, let's just not just make it all about the church and our Sunday meetings, please, but let's make it about our marriages, our parenting, our businesses, and because something's not happening, we think something's missing and we add this and we add another program, we add more lights, we do this, we do that. My marriage isn't working, so we get another wife. Something's missing. I don't think it's so much something as someone. And it's this someone I want to talk to you about over the next few weeks. And that is the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Because there is no substitute for Him. Without the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, there is nothing to distinguish us from any other group or organisation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 19, it says... But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Question, when's the last time someone said of you, you are powerful? Or is all we've reduced our church experience to and our Christianity to is words. Well, I don't go to church anymore because, or I only go this because, and it becomes words. When's the last time someone used the word powerful to describe you? Because when the Holy Spirit comes in our lives, there's a power that follows. And I desire to see more of God's power, not just more of man's wisdom. 
Yes, power in signs and wonders. Yes, power in the unexplained miracles of God. But more than that, a power to stay married. A power to be a virgin on the day you get married. Instead of reducing it to this, oh, that's an impossible ask. That was written 2,000 years ago. That doesn't apply today. No, a power to walk out the Word of God. Because we often struggle to walk out the Word of God, we think we'll give God a hand and reduce His Word to something less than He intended. The power to love our enemies. The power to hear gossip and just not get involved. The power not to have to know all the bad stuff that's going on in people's world. Just the power to say, I'm not interested. The power to hold down a job. This message is a message for the conservatives in this room and the charismaniacs. Because I sense that some of the charismaniacs in this room are throffing at the mouth. They're going, it's about time we talked about this. Well, I'm going to probably disappoint you. And now some of the conservatives are saying, oh, shoo, that's good. Well, you know what? Listen a bit longer. You'll probably get disappointed too. I want us, no matter what side of the fence we're on, whether we're more conservative or more charismaniac, I want us to set aside our preconceived ideas. And I don't want us to respond to our past because that's what most often happens. We've had an abusive situation and that abusive situation develops and forms our theology. We need to let the Word of God form our theology, not our past. Not our fears, not our doubts, not our concerns. That is not the basis for good theology. The basis for good theology is God's Word. And so from the outset, I want to say this, that this series is not about explaining the Holy Spirit in His entirety. Mainly because it's impossible for finite minds to comprehend an infinite God. It is not about gaining more knowledge. To be honest, most of us in this room don't need more knowledge about the Holy Spirit. But we need more experiential knowledge of His presence. When I look at the early church, I know about you, but I think about what they did. And they didn't know much about the Holy Spirit at all. But they knew Him. There's a difference between knowing about something and knowing something. There's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. And I so hope that we could have an encounter with God where we could say we know Him. And when we hear some warped theology, we say, you know what? I can see how you could get that out of Scriptures, but it doesn't sound like the God I know. You can make the Word of God say whatever you want. But when you know Him, it brings correct interpretation to the Word of God. 
You might find your scriptures about not giving and not tithing and not this and not that. You've got them, maybe. But when you know God and you know His generosity and you know His, His willingness to give and give and give and you look at the life of Jesus and He gave His whole life, you know what? To withhold giving financially doesn't sound like the God I know. I'm not going to argue over the scripture. I'm talking about a God I know. I've had an experience with an incredibly generous God. But if you don't have that experience, if you don't have that intimate knowledge, all you've got is words. And God forbid this church gets reduced to words. This is not about us going backwards. In other words, it's not about us embracing the glory days of Pentecostalism. More tongues in the meeting. Less lights. Less video screens. Let's get back to the good old days. You know what? The good old days weren't that good. This is the best day. The answer is never going backwards. The answer is always about going forward. And this is not about minimising the need for spiritual gifts. Granted, there have been many misuses of the spiritual gifts, but the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14 that we should still nonetheless desire spiritual gifts. What I hope to achieve is an incredible, well-balanced understanding of who he is and responding accordingly. And so over the next few weeks, we want to look at things like the theology of the Holy Spirit, the role of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, etc. But the aim to all of this is to know God and to live godly lives. That's the purpose of this. Everything you hear, I want you to hear it in this context. It's about knowing God and living godly lives. Knowing God and living godly lives. That we could live supernatural lives and not just super spiritual lives. And there's a difference. We don't want to be super spiritual, flaky people. We want to live naturally, but we want there to be a supernatural edge to our natural lives. And that can only take place through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe one of the best ways to monitor the evidence of a supernatural life is the fruit. When the disciples were concerned and asking Jesus all sorts of questions. And he could see their concern. He said, don't worry. It's by the fruit you will know my disciples. He didn't say by their gifts. In actual fact, he said, you can speak in tongues and prophesy and still go to hell. We've elevated the gifts. We've elevated formulas. And whether it's a formula of prophecy and tongues or a formula of lights and smoke, they're just formulas. And they're all void of the knowledge, the intimate knowledge of the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want. And we desire to live these spiritual, supernatural lives. I was reading through the Old Testament recently in Exodus chapter 13, uh, 33. And this is an incredible passage where Moses is, is, is at his wit's end. He's, he's leading these bunch of complainers and whingers through the desert. A trip that should have taken 11 days has taken 40 years. He's had enough. Anybody feel like that in this place? You've had enough, 
my wife, my kids, my church, my business, my family, whatever. That's Moses. And so in a moment of deep desire, he cries out to God and says, God, show me your glory. He said, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with me, I ain't moving. I can't afford to do this thing alone. Am I deafening anyone? Is it all right? (laughs) Oh, jeez, man, quiet. (laughs) This is a cry of his heart, Exodus 33. God, show me your glory. And then in Exodus 34, we see this incredible encounter that God has with Moses. The glory comes. Good job Moses wasn't a Pentecostal. He would have just stayed in that moment. But in Exodus 35, we see the outworking of the revelation that came through the glory of God. Moses goes back to the people having had an encounter with God and he's no longer just, he's he's not down in the dumps. He's not complaining. He's not saying, smite them, almighty smiter. He said, oh God, I've been with God. I've got a plan. This is what we've got to do. In other words, this supernatural encounter led to some supernatural information which led to supernatural lives. And this revelation came of how to build and how to lead. And I believe that God wants to bring His supernatural power in order to help us to know how to build because God is a builder. And He knows the plans He has for you. We've got to tap into His resource so that we can see as He sees and know as He knows. And so Moses comes back to the people in Exodus 35 and he says, guys, this is what we've got to do. We've got to take up an offering for this. We've got to do that. And on this uh, tabernacle, there's got to be purple bits and there's got to be blue bits and there's got to be all this mundane stuff. The kind of stuff that, you know, super spiritual people don't want to talk about. They just want to keep having the glory meetings. But those moments, those glory moments are that we might live supernatural lives. And so Moses went to the people with an absolute confidence, absolute conviction, absolute boldness because he knew this is what God wanted him to do. I'm not here to fight with you about what we do on stage here. I feel I've been to God. I said, God, how do you build your church in 2010? God, show me your ways. I didn't have those meetings just to stay in those meetings. But I can come back and say, this is what we've got to do for us. And I believe God will do the same for you. God, how do I become the husband you want me to be? And he'll give you a pattern on how to build a marriage. Maybe some of you are struggling with your kids. He'll give you a pattern on how to build your family. Because God's a builder. So it's not about just staying in the prayer meeting all the time. Because some people just like praying. They don't like building. They just want to pray. And then you got other people who just say, oh, man, those stupid, weird Christians. I ain't got time for prayer. I just want to build. You don't want to build without prayer. You don't know what you're going to build. It's both and. But what I do know is I don't want to be praying when I should be building and building when I should be praying. That's why I believe these meetings, this is the time where we come together having had revelation in our quiet devotional times. 
And we talk about what God's spoken to us about already. Are you following me this morning? And so I believe God wants us to live supernatural lives, not super spiritual ones. And in order to live a supernatural life, there has to be a supernatural enabling. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, it says, On one occasion while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you heard me speak about. John baptized you with water, but in a few days I'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, guys, you've heard me say what I want you to do. Go into all the world, do this, do that. But here's the thing, don't do it. What? I want you to, to wait for the promise of my father, because without that promise, without you receiving that, you'll never be able to do what I've asked you to do. Herein lies the problem. God has asked us to do something we can't do, but for God. And so here's the early church. They're just waiting now. They don't know what they're waiting for. There's no document, documented account of what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is going to look like, sound like, or be like. Or how long you have to wait. And they wait one day, they wait two days, they wait three days. They end up waiting 10 days. And they wait because they realise Jesus said, we've got to wait. Here's the thing, either Jesus was lying or he was telling the truth. The early church believed Jesus and so they waited. And what we see in this account, and for the sake of time, I don't have a lot of time to read all these scriptures, scriptures hopefully that will be shared many times over the next few weeks. But Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes, He'll be with you. How many of you would think it'd be really helpful and really cool if you had Jesus in person with you 24-7? Going to buy something. Jesus, should I buy that? No, okay, cool. Should should I help this person? Yeah, Yeah, okay. Be really. And Jesus is saying, that's what I'm giving you. That's why he said, it's better for me to go. And it's better for you to have the Holy Spirit because he'll be with you 24-7. I think it's amazing that the member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, is the member that's with us. And he's the one we tend to ignore the most. God, the Father, is in heaven on his throne. That's what the Bible says. It says, after 33 years of being on planet Earth, Jesus ascended back into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. So God the Father's in heaven, Jesus the Son's in heaven, and they said, I will give you the Holy Spirit and He'll be with you. In other words, it's one God, but different roles. And so the one person who can help us live out the Word of God is the Holy Spirit, and He's the one we ignore the most. Jesus says, He'll be with you. And what we see in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, is this incredible encounter. The Holy Spirit comes. There's wind, there's tongues of fire, there's a new language given. But here's the thing. There's a changed life. These disciples were in the upper room. The doors were locked. They're full of fear. They don't know what's going on. But when the Holy Spirit came, they unlocked the doors. They just barge out of there. They go and confront the very people that put Jesus to death. 
They said, this Jesus whom you crucified, this is the same guy that moments earlier was locked away in a room for fear of his life. Now he's baiting them. Where did that kind of power come from? The Holy Spirit. Can you imagine if they just enjoyed the moment so much that they just stayed there? God wants to come and fill us and touch us and bless us that we might go out and live supernatural lives, not weird ones, not stupid ones. But if we're really living the life, then we come back to church, we get filled again. Is this making sense this morning, please? We see after the day of Pentecost, there was a supernatural power There were supernatural lives. It goes on to say in Acts chapter 2 that they were together and they shared everything. And so there's this sharing and caring community. It didn't say they became perfect. It said that they were able to share and care and not give up. Because you don't come to church and expect no problems. You still get problems. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, you just give up. You know, there's not one scripture that encourages you to leave church. (laughs) And yet people do it all the time. Why? Because there's no power to stay. This bunch of community, Peter, James and John, they were all martyred for their faith and they they said, bring it on. Because they had a power at work in their lives. When they felt like running, they embraced death. I hate the fact that we've reduced Christianity to, you know, it's okay to sleep around. Hey, once you're engaged, you're not, you, know, you might not be married, but if you're engaged, now you can sleep. It doesn't say that. I get that you struggle. I get that when you're a young guy, there's t- hormones and. T- I get that. But there's a power available. And Peter goes on to say, says, this, this Holy Spirit is available to all that believe, it's available for all of us. Can you imagine if I said to you that I possess the quality, a supernatural quality that makes me play incredible golf? And you think, okay, cool. But probably more than anything, you'd want to see me. You say, okay, let's let's just go to the golf course. And I imagine if I talked it up enough, like we do in church, about what God has done in our lives and this incredible power that's available. And I said, man, you gotta see, man since, since, since I've been a Christian, my, my golf game. I, I imagine everything. Oh, I imagine kind of a few holes in one. I imagine this, I imagine that. And can you imagine? Spline. You can imagine that because you've played with me. <laughs> what would the person think if I've just told them how good at golf I am because it's supernatural enabling and then I'm just as bad as him? Kind of like, oh. They wouldn't think much of the encounter I had. They wouldn't think much of the supernatural enabling. And I think there are people looking on saying, if that's the Holy Spirit, forget it. But here's the thing, it's not. It's impossible to have too much of God. It's no such thing. You can have too much of the gifts, 
can have too much of the weird, but you can't have too much of God. Question in closing. When was the last time you saw the power of God at work in your life? It's something only you can answer. You may say, you know what, Tony, I'm so glad you asked because this morning, and God bless you. But if you, if you have to go back to that day, that glorious day when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit and you spoke in tongues for the first time, if, if that's it, and that was 30 years ago, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Each and every one of us will have trials of our own. The answer to your singleness is not get married. That's not the answer. It's the Holy Spirit to remain single until that right time. Because if marriage was the answer, every married couple would be happy. You imagine being a single person and thinking that going into life thinking marriage is the answer. You're stuffed. You are. We've got some of our young people, God bless them, but they think they're busy. <laughs> oh, look at me, you don't understand. Busy. Like, no job. Mum cooks and cleans for you. No wife, no kids. Oh, that sounds awesome. <laughs> but you know what? We joke, but the moment I start entertaining that thought, I take my mind down a track. And I weaken myself of the power that's available to stay married, to stay a dad. The answer is never found in comparing yourself to others. The answer is found in God. And let's face it, I know you well enough to know that many of you struggle with many things in your lives. And the answer is not to start comparing or looking. It's saying, God, I need you. As our musicians come, three vital questions to ask yourself. One, do you believe God? Do you believe Him? He said, I will send you the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? These are questions you have to ask and answer in the coming days. For yourselves, do you believe him? Secondly, do you trust God? Because maybe he said, Tony, I've heard this before, and I remember asking God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and nothing happened, and, and now long you don't trust God anymore. Do you trust him? And thirdly, do you want him? What I'm about to say, we will look at in more detail in the weeks to come. But here's the thing. In inviting the Holy Spirit into your world, it's not power we seek. It's not to give me power to get on with my life. That's not what we're on about. That's not what this series is on about. This is not about being empowered to fulfill your agenda. This is about us surrendering our agenda. So do you really want him? 
And we'd be better, we'd do ourselves a favor to say, you know what, I don't. That would be far more helpful to you and the church if we was honest. Because to say you do when you don't, we start creating theology that waters down the Word of God. Well, I do, but I just don't believe God does that in this time. Do you want Him? Because it may look like the empowerment, but not to live the life that you're presently living. It could be the empowerment to get to India. For many of us here, that won't be the case. Some of you, you may just love to go to India, but the point is, do you want Him? Do you want Him enough to say, whatever, Lord? I don't think it'd be right for us to sit here and wait for you to answer those questions in this meeting. But I think it'd be wrong of us to not take those three questions seriously and do some serious seeking of God. Because this is what I do know. The Christian life is not easy. If it was, everyone would be doing it. I know that when I gave my life to Jesus, I entered a mission that's impossible. It is mission impossible. And the only thing that makes that mission possible is the supernatural empowerment that comes through knowing Him through the Holy Spirit. When you get this right, when you get your theology right, your prayer life will change. We don't ask God to come. We don't ask Jesus to come. He's in heaven. We say, Holy Spirit, won't you come? Because there's different roles of the Godhead. Do you want more of God? Or do you like your sin too much? You might say, that's cool, but I actually like sleeping with my girlfriend. I actually like it. Well, good on you. That just says you're a male. But what about... the precious Christ that laid down his life that we could be saved for all time and eternity eternity from eternal damnation see I still feel that we place far too much emphasis on this life you know the picture I got this morning was this and we've got kids and many of you have got kids or had kids or many of you are young enough to remember this for yourselves. When I was at school, it's kind of like the day, it just went forever. School like went forever. And I remember they saying, look mate, just enjoy these days. They go quick. You'll be driving before you know it. And when you're seven, you're like, no, no, that's like, whoa, that's like forever away. I'll never drive. You know what I'm on about? And we who have been around and got our license and, and had the privilege of thinking, man, that, that, went, that came out pretty quick. You know what? If we had 70 years on planet Earth and every day was miserable, but we knew Jesus, in light of eternity, it still wouldn't matter. It would still be worth holding on to Him. Because the answer to us is, you know what? It's only a short time. Let's stand.
I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going to pray, close the meeting. I'm invite you back tonight. I'm going to share again tonight. Not on this subject, something a little bit different. But if you desire more of God, why don't you just raise your hands? I love raising hands because it's just a sign of surrender. It's a sign of openness. We don't do it because we have a Pentecostal background. We do it because the Bible says. Father, there's many illustrations in your word. The one that comes to mind is Samson. Supernaturally anointed while he had long hair. That was, that was his anointing. The moment he had his head shaved, he became as weak as any other man. And I feel like that for myself and for every person in this room. With you, we can do incredible things. Without you, we mess it up every time. Without you, Lord, we find we do the things we don't want to do. Without you, we just don't do what we want to do. It's as simple as that. I pray with our hands raised to you that we could be a people that earnestly seek you more than we presently do. And that you would make yourself known. I pray, dear God, as we seek your face this week and answer those questions. Do we believe? Do we trust? Do we want the Holy Spirit? I pray for supernatural, experiential knowledge of the Holy Spirit that would equal godly lives that produce fruit. And I pray that you've got to be so tangible and so manifest that people would notice a difference. Where we've struggled with impatience, people say, you're, you're so much more impatient these days. What is going on? And it gives us the right to speak. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us. I don't stand up here today as the expert. I just stand up here as a man in fear and trembling that without you, I can do nothing. And I ask and pray that your grace, your peace, your mercy, be upon every one of us. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.